Hello. Hello. I'm Larkin. I'm Katie. And this is a little more free. free. <laughs> That's exciting. Yes, it is. It's a lot farther than I thought we would get at some points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for the faint as recently part. as yesterday, I was thinking. <laughs> oh, no. We, we might not do that. another. <laughs> well, uh, we can always go back to every other week if every week is feeling. Oh, it wasn't that. Oh, okay. It was the other one. Oh, the blog. No, no. Oh. The sort of like over, sort of the overwhelm and the sort of morbid shame. <laughs> like, oh my God, I've put myself out there. Oh, what yeah. Renee Brown calls it the, the shame hangover, whatever it is. Vulnerability yeah. hangover. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, you've been putting yourself out there quite a bit. I would. <sighs> yes. Yeah. It was a uh, blog and this. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I have to reel it back in a little, I think. Do you ever think about just taking a pause? I mean, yesterday I was this morning. (laughs) (sighs) We'll see. I feel like I've been on, I was calling it spring break and I thought it would last like four days, but it's lasted most of the month. So I feel you. <laughs> how, how are the how are things going with your thinking process about all your what you're working on? I mean, night night and day. It's insane, and I don't, you know, I don't want to say it was the full moon, but I think that was definitely part of it. Um, and I think I did reach that kind of you know, I I don't want to call it a rock bottom because it's not, but kind of a breaking point of getting fed up with feeling how I was feeling and finally was like, okay, because it'd been building for a while. And I was like, okay, I need to like, just pause and step back from things and feel into what is going on. But I didn't really actually do that because it's hard. And Mm. you don't, you know, it's kind of stepping into the unknown and all these other things. Um, But I think I just got, got tired of feeling the way I was feeling. I was going into my old like victim blaming what's wrong with me, like all of that stuff. And just finally realized like nothing's wrong with me. I've just kind of slipped down this you know, whether you want to call it a slippery slope or rabbit hole or spiral of doom or whatever, like I had just let myself go into it a little far, farther than was comfortable. And um, I wrote my, I do an email on the new and the full moons. And I, you know, the full moon was Sunday. So I had to write that and get it out. And I really didn't feel like it. And I actually wrote it And then I took my own advice, (laughs) which was, you know, this full moon is a great time for a reset and a recommitment to your self-care. 
seeing where things are out of balance, repartnering with yourself. Um, so I took my own advice and decided as I did last April, I'm going to have a dry April and I'm starting this, um, 369 liver cleanse that the medical medium has in one of his books that I'm going to start tomorrow. Um, and just getting back to those basic self-care practices that I think, you know, I commit to, I think that, and I think this is really common. Like you commit to it. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this every day. And it's like every day for a week. And then it's like every three, every other day. And then it's like every three days. And then, you know, and then finally it's like, well, I'm staying up too late every night. You know, I'm eating Reese pieces in the bathtub. Like this is not, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Is like, that a I'm real image? Myself. You you couldn't be making that up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I almost posted a picture of my talk about vulnerability. And it's like I go into these spaces and I'm like, uh, you know, my coach and everyone says, share your process, share when you're feeling vulnerable and messy and like things aren't perfect. But it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to be on there and like be like, I'm eating Reese pieces in the bathtub. I'm not <laughs> proud of it but this is where I am. And like, is that supposed to help people? I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Other than just sharing, like, I'm human. I'm not perfect. I struggle. Mm. And, mm. you know, but. Um, you know, there was something that I read that Jack Cornfield said that I found so comforting, um, which was that um, it was something about how like, you know, the, the really, the real teachers, the ones who like from his tradition anyway, mm -hmm. which is what Zen Zen from where, where does he, Oh gosh. He's Southeast Asia. He's right? part of the Vipassana tradition, but yes, he okay. studied in, in Southeast, Southeast Asia. And he was a monk. And mm -hmm. anyway, just that even the most, the wisest teacher, you know, from among his widespread, not just that tradition, but like, you know, his community of peers yeah. that they all have neurotic, difficult days when, you know, they're, they're caught, they're oh, triggered, yeah. they're having a hard time, you know, no one is ever on the cloud on cloud nine or whatever the whole time. Right. And that that's um, in a way that, you know, it, when you, when you sort of get into the role of being a teacher or a wise person or a role model that you can kind of recognize the ones who are really sincere by their willingness to be real about that, yeah, you know, and to be just to be honest about being human, you know what I mean? Instead of fronting you know, like always like presenting the image of like perfection and the ideal. So yeah. There's at least that, I mean, you know, and to sort of counterbalance the other considerations about maybe being a little more private about, yeah. about when you're like really in it. But I have to say the image, like eating Reese's pieces in the bathtub, there's something that's like incredibly like comic and <laughs> poetic about that. Because I, I couldn't even dream that up, you know? 
I'll send you the picture. How about that? That's good. <laughs> Can I post it with this sure. episode? It's <laughs> good. Um, well, it's interesting that you bring him up because he was part of my kind of return to myself um, was I decided to stop binge watching New Girl until like one in the morning every night and instead like lie down, turn the lights out at 10. And if I feel restless or I can't turn my mind off, I'll listen to these, you know, all these books I've downloaded that I haven't listened to. Mm. So I started listening to um, the, what's the one, the parts work one. The greater than the sum of our parts. Yes. I started listening listening to that. And then I started, I'd been listening to um, Jack Cornfield's after the, ecstasy the laundry and so I started listening to that oh that's him that's him did you know I I named the my first blog that I ever had I called it after the drama the dishes and I and I think that I had must have heard his title Mm -hmm. and had it in my subconscious when I came up with that name so all right anyway cool yeah yeah um so yeah that I mean I mean that was just Sunday night I was like okay I gotta stop all this craziness that you know because it's like what's wrong I'm suffering I'm struggling and then it's like well you're not really helping yourself by you know these habits that you've fallen into to to try to escape the suffering but like it's not Mm. helping it's making it worse Mm. and then you're beating I'm beating up on myself because I'm falling into these bad habits bad habits of just binge watching Binge watching, drinking, low nu- low nutritional TV, right. <laughs> new girl, which is low nutrition. I mean, it's a nice escape. It's great. It's yes. a nice escape. It but is. It's not healthy to use that to go to bed because you don't want to feel or think about the things that you feel or think about when you have to lie down in the dark. Yeah. And so it was, you know, it was hard, and I started listening to the sum of the parts Mm. and then he has the part where it's like okay go inside and see what's here now and I was like oh my god I can't do that right now oh really (laughs) okay so then I switched over to the Jack Cornfield and like I lie I laid in the is it lied or laid anyway I lay (laughs) laid laid in the dark lied in the dark laid I think yes anyway (laughs) anyway Until like I cut my light off at 10 and I laid there till midnight and then I listened to Kaipacha. Yeah. (laughs) And then finally, I think around 1230, I fell asleep, which was better than, you know, I'd been doing. So that's fine. And I was like, okay, if I'm just lying here, it's like I'm reading my books at night. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I got a lot of value from what I listened to and it really helped to shift my mindset and my outlook and all that stuff. And, and then last night I was so tired. I just fell asleep easily at like 11, but so we'll see. I mean, it's always a, as you said last time, humans are a tangle. It's always an up and down a back and forth, ever changing internal and external experience. And that is just (laughs) part of being here. Um, Part of the fun of the ride. If you can, if you have the chance to look at it like that. Yeah. Um, so Jack Cornfield. Yes. That's... Well, I'll read you 
the quote, and I actually have a, I don't, I think I've told you this, but I don't think we've told it on the podcast, but my meeting, my meeting and serving Jack Cornfield at the cafe where I worked in Hawaii. Yes. When I was like fangirling out and everyone was like, <laughs> um, who is that? Like, who's that old, like balding, like Jewish man with a mustache? Like why <laughs> freaking freaking out about him? <laughs> um, but I'll just share if I can find it. Oh yeah, this quote that changed my life overnight. No, maybe, who knows? So it says, we need to remember that where we are going is here, that any practice is simply a means to open our heart to what is in front of us. Where we already are is the path and the goal. Yes. And I realized that so much of my recent struggle and suffering was because I was trying to be somewhere that I'm not and wanting things to be different than they are. And um, it, it really actually reminded me of a couple things. One is Glenda Green and what she says about, you know, your, your path is right in front of you, or you, you can articulate that better than I can. Um, Such a good one too. But then it also reminded me of Byron Katie and the work and that she does that I learned during my coach training and her kind of premise is suffering is caused a by painful thoughts, but also by wanting things to be different than they are. Um, yeah. So it really just returned me to those truths. And I, I was able to reflect and see that like, okay, I want, I want pretty much everything to be different than it is right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how can I release that grip and like, come back to now and trust that everything is okay. And um, I'm doing the best I can, which is another kind of tangent, Brene Brown, but yeah. 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 The, that, the thing about surrendering to what is Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, even if you're in a difficult situation, and it's hard for you to see the silver lining that that surrendering to being in that situation reduces the pain by quite a lot. Oh, yeah. um, you know, because you're you're telling yourself all these stories about like, what does it mean that I'm here and that's causing suffering and you're, you know, you're you, and you're not settled. You can't just be present, you know, in your experience. And it really it's, but it's a hard thing to learn, you know, when you're in a, in a situation you don't want to be in. Yeah. But, um, I wanted to re cause I found that I, for some reason I've, I, you know, I've had this on my mind. So I pulled out my love without end book <laughs> yeah. and I actually have that passage. The one that like, it took mm-hmm. me forever to like figure out how to start to apply it. Um, but I sort of want to read it. Let's see. Read it. Mm. Read it loudly. <laughs> you're, you're like going quieter. So the this is sort of in the this is in the context of figuring out what your purpose is. Um, because I think it's also related, you know. Oh, yeah. 
Um, that which is for you to have and to do will find you. There is no difference between loving what's before you and loving something else which might be preferred. The blessing lies not in the object of loving, but in the opportunity for loving. I asked, because this is a dialogue between her and Jesus, who, you know, the backstory on this is, is that um, Glenda Green was a portrait artist and she was approached by a church in Texas to paint a painting of Jesus. And she was like, oh yeah, right. I'm not going to do that. That's like a big, you know, trap, you know, like everyone wants to paint him as like a blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, white man, but everyone knows that he was probably dark skinned and Arabic and I'm not doing it. Mm. And then she, then like, she had this weird, like, I, you know, notion come into your mind that like, well, okay. If he sits for me, I'll do it. And then she knew it was going to happen. And this is all sort of over a period of several months. And, and then she like, you know, she was like preparing for it. And then she had a, she stepped into her studio on the appointed day and she had a, like a full on like experience that lasted for three months while she painted this painting and they had a long conversation and over that period of time, and she took notes and then she wrote a book from it. So this is presented as a dialogue Mm. in, in a lot of places. Um, I asked, what should I love first? He replied, whatever is in front of you, what do I do first? Whatever is facing you, who do I help now? The next person you talk to, what do I learn next? The solution to your problems, you don't have to seek your lessons. They find you. Too often people seek a lesson or a purpose elsewhere because they think the one in front of them is not good enough. Often they are hard on themselves by seeking difficult lessons while failing to respect the power of a simple lesson staring them in the face. You have quite enough before you. When you have mastered that, your next lesson will appear. Wow. (sighs) What page is that on? (laughs) That is on page 73 and 74 of the expanded world edition from... 2009. Okay. I have a copy. I, it may not be the same pages, but it's this one. Okay. I have a hard cover copy. Okay. Yeah. It'll be on a slightly different page, but it is in the, the chapter called the love that you are Hmm. chapter four, Uh, about six pages in. Thank you. Anyway, I mean, that has been like, I've chewed on that. That has been, um, you know, you could spend a lifetime learning Oh yeah. how to apply that. Yeah. You know, um, and the thing about the opportunity in loving, it's deep. It's very deep because, 
you know, there's something else. So he talks elsewhere. And, uh, and so this is like, I think there's a foundation underlying there's a f- philosophical or a theological or whatever metaphysical foundation underlying the suggestion that the opportunity is in loving, like whoever is in your, in front of you, mm-hmm. rather than the ideal person out there somewhere that you need to chase down and find. Mm-hmm. And that is that, um, this idea that as you love, so there you are. And that it may seem impossible, you know, especially when you're in a, in a yucky situation that you're in the place that your love has taken you to. Mm. And, and so if it's not apparent to you why that is, and if you're surrounded by people who you're like, I don't like any of you (laughs) (laughs) or you're being mean to me (laughs) or whatever it is, it's, it's not, it's not an invitation to be a doormat because he's very clear about that throughout this. Yeah, it is an, an invitation to dig deeper and find the roots of your love in your present situation. And to find the roots of your love and the relationships with the people that you're with. And, you know, yes, maybe there will be a separation, a like telling someone off, you know, there is a place for that. Yeah. Make a boundary with. Make a boundary with. But more often than not, there is a hidden gem underneath that you're, that it's like, if you can dig and find it, it's like so transformational. It will transform you. It will transform them. It transforms the relationship. Ah, I get emotional thinking yeah. about it because I've had little glimpses into, into that just, and um, I mean, that's the kind of thing that could legitimately transform the world. It could. Yeah, it could. Yeah. And, you know, you think about, I mean, I have sympathy for people who like, you know, they long for their like ideal love Mm -hmm. and they feel surrounded by people who don't love them or see them or, you know, any of that. Um, But I think that there's a way that the search for your soulmate and everything can lead you to not be present and mm-hmm. to miss so many opportunities. It's like you're saving up all your love for that special person. Yeah. When, <clears throat> if you can find a way to love the people who are already in your life, it's like, then your heart becomes so big, you know, and it's sort of like, in, <clears throat> I don't know, but there's other sides to it too, because every time I like, I like, you know, feel really expanded and like, really like (laughs) present to that. Like I'll have a backlash day, like maybe the next day. So the rubber band snapping back where I'm like, uh, you know? Yeah. And that (sighs) it's funny. Um, anyway, that reminds me and I'm, I'm not saying it's always this, but it reminds me of another book. Um, I can see the cover of it, but I don't remember what it's called. Actually, I have it on audio too. Um, But he talks about the upper limit problem where you are trained to only feel so much joy and goodness. And if you reach that upper limit, then something will happen or you'll cause something to happen to kind of bring you back down to where it's comfortable. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the bipolar dilemma too, isn't it? Mm. You know, except with bipolar, the regulator is kind of loose. So you go way high yeah, and then you swing way low and mm-hmm. kind of hard on the mind to do that swing. Yes. Um, the book is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I think that um, what you were just saying, um, waiting for that one person, um, and then if you can actually just love where you are and who is there, that's so much more expansive. I feel like I I learned that the hard way <laughs> by searching, searching, searching for my person feeling like that's when my life was going to really start and all these things were going to happen. And then I found that person and it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And it was so devastating that it completely broke my heart open and led me down this path of love and divine love. And um, it was a transformation through suffering (laughs) you know, through devastation. And Jack Cornfield talks about the different ways of transformation, transforming in this um, book as well after the ecstasy, the laundry, but he's like, one way is through, you know, a loss and mm. that and suffering. Mm. And, but it, it does kind of break your heart open and unravel you and force you to really, um, look at things in a different way. And so, so I'd be interested for interested for you to share the, the different ways that he talks about, because I was literally having this thought this morning and it was this book. I just finished up on the audiobook, um, had me thinking about the notion of great transformation, mm. you know, and, and, and becoming great that it's, it's very often, you know, born in, in, in either um, trial or suffering, or, you know, it takes some great, like, um, difficulty to overcome, to sort of get there. But then I thought, is that always true? Like, maybe it's sometimes true, but not always. Anyway, I was having that thought. So, I would be interested to hear what he says um, the different ways. I will try to remember. This is something I didn't write down, but it did pique my interest. So I'll have to go back and listen. Cause I just have it on the audiobook. I'll have oh, yeah. to go back and kind of listen, but I remember, I think this is another one of those things. Like we'll have to addend addendum this in maybe mm-hmm. a later episode. But um, I do remember I think either it was either three or four, but one is that kind of, there's a big event of loss or something, you know, whether it's losing a person or a job or a faculty of your own, you know, mm-hmm. um, through illness and, and that is through suffering. And then another way is also through suffering over smaller sufferings over a long period of time. <laughs> um you know like a year two years however long it kind of takes for you half a lifetime right right (laughs) I mean really 
um, it takes for you to realize, you know, say like, no, like enough is enough. I need mm-hmm. to do something mm-hmm. about this or through all through the suffering, I guess somehow you are transformed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says the other way is, and I think it's a similar thing it's but it's through joy so it's either you know transformation through like a a quick like kind of one of those like satori experiences where you feel at one with everything um you know and you do go back for sure but Mm -hmm. but that kind of jewel stays alive in you um and and then the other way would be so the quick method through joy and then the extended method through joy where you're, you're transforming, but you're doing it joyfully and willfully. And I mean, that to me, that speaks to your spiritual, you know, showing up in a spiritual discipline or practice with intention, with fortitude, with joy, for love, for expansion and undertaking that practice um, over a long period of time. And I I think for me, I mean, it's honestly been a mixture of all of those things, Mm -hmm. all of those ways. Um, But I do, this is making me want to go back and like listen and write down exactly what he says or buy the book, you know, the hard copy. This happens a lot. Like, I'll get yeah. an audio book and then I'm like, but I want to look back at these things. So I'll buy a hard copy of it as well. Yeah. Um, it's hard to scan back through a book like that when it's on audio. Yeah. 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 Reference book. <clears throat> well, that is interesting. I get, you know, I, um, from an astrological point of view, I, I also, you know, it's a, it's just a curiosity that I have. And I guess that that, that lines up with what the teachings are in astrology by way of outer planet initiations. Mm. So, you know, Chiron and Pluto would both be of the more like loss oriented or, or it's not just loss. It's also challenge. You know, it's like you're put in an impossible situation. Pluto will likes to put you in an impossible situation and force you to think out, to choose the unexpected Mm -hmm. solution to find, you know, some greater part of yourself to, you know, activate Mm -hmm. in response to that. Um, But then there's Jupiter and there's, I mean, Uranus and Neptune. Neptune is, and then there's Saturn. So Saturn is through discipline. Neptune is through mystical, like devotion, mm. bhakti. Yeah. And that's, there's a joy aspect to that for sure. And then Uranus is radical brilliance, freedom, you know, like just jumping out of the, out of the airplane. <clears throat> even though you don't know if you've got a parachute on. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I wanted to mention that 
you know, last week I talked about the time when there were no answers Mm. and every, and I, and I went and I looked for answers everywhere and there were never any answers. And it was a, it was, you know, I would say it was an intensive period of five years, but it had sort of a spillover and it was sort of like, overall, it was like 10 years more or less. Um, and I've called it my dark night, things like that. I did want to say that there were a few exceptions. Um, mm. Julie North had a few answers, partial answers for me. Mm-hmm. and we, um, that was also the period of time when I got coaching from you. Hmm. And actually there were like these just little tendrils of threads hmm. that I, that I got from our coaching work and I clung to them. Like it was like clinging to almost nothing. Cause I mean, I didn't have like nothing was working. Right. Yeah. But I, they, I just sort of like, it's sort of like, you know, when you're like rock climbing and you're clinging to almost nothing yes. and somehow you're, you're doing it, but, and you're like, how am I even doing this? But you're doing it. I've been there on the side of a rock. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. I went r- climbing in Boulder and I was like, Oh my God, how do yeah. people do this? <laughs> So it was kind of like that, but I just did want to say that. Mm. So that's cool. You know, even though I didn't get all the answers I needed, that there was still like something and it, and it it sustained me, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. through some very difficult times. Yeah. Um, That. And then the second thing you know, cause we talked last week about the idea that, um, it's possible that one of the things that's going on for you right now is developing endurance mm-hmm. and, and, uh, a resilience in the face of discomfort. Yeah. Um, and that, one sort of uh, example of where it's very relevant for someone who's doing coaching, certainly psychotherapy um, is, you know, because <laughs> any, anytime you're like, you know, uh, coaching and counseling someone, you know, there, you're going to have clients who are in pain and they're going to be in pain for a while. You're not going to be able to just snap your fingers and pull them out of it is the experience that you've had with some of the coaches that you've worked with who haven't been able to be with you where you're at. Right. You know, they've just wanted to give you the quick and easy answer and brush you off. Right. Right. So if they had more of that, like deeper resilience, Mm. maybe they could like, you know, come in and sit there with you and discover something without too much, too much terrible, a lot of trouble. I mean, if you can't even step in the room, how do you even know? Right. If there's a solution, you know, some or a partial solution even. So yeah, I just thought, I just wanted to offer those two things. 
to your process as related to, you know, doing coaching work or anything like that? Yep. Thank you. That's interesting because when I did kind of start to come out of my, I'll just call it my spring fever. Um, (laughs) I was like, okay, like part of why I've been feeling so icky is kind of to remind myself that there is a lot of suffering in the world. People struggle and like the work that I'm trying to birth is, is important and valid work. And it's been a struggle birthing it, but I don't, you know, it's not time to give up because there are so many people that need support. And I think from the things I've gone through, you know, and I'm, I'm still going through, but I have built that a pretty deep well of resilience and being able to hold space for others who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. I mean, the compassion was already there. You've had that yeah. all along, you know, you couldn't want what you want in, in the face of suffering if you didn't have compassion also. Yeah. So, but, but it takes more than compassion maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I also, I dug into that thing, the resistance Mm. (laughs) that we were talking about last time around, like, then when someone does offer assistance and it's not like what I want to hear exactly, or it's, you know, more work for me or something, I'm like, rah, like all this resistance comes up. So, and this is hard. I mean, this is kind of a hard share, but I dug into that. And what I found underneath it was this painful thought that, you know, I don't really think is true, but, and it kind of goes back to the parts work um, Mm. where it's like, okay, a a part of me does feel this way Mm. is that everyone I've ever relied on has let me down, including myself. Mm. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> that's why, you know, that's part of why I have this resistance. I don't feel it's safe to rely on other people. Mm. Um, and yeah, I can find evidence of that being true, but can I, you know, I haven't dug into this too much, but when, and if I do, you know, I know that this thought is causing me pain and mm-hmm. it's holding me back. And therefore, according to the Byron Katie methodology, like if this thought is causing me suffering, then it's not true. Oh. Um, Hmm. So how can I, instead of believing this thought and looking for all the evidence that this thought is true, um, how can I start to find evidence for the opposite? Hmm that when people that I've relied on have not let me down, Mm -hmm. have supported me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also I kind I think the biggest switch was like, okay, if, if I don't even feel like I can rely on myself, then I, I need to start 
building that muscle Mm -hmm. and engaging in small practices like honoring, you know, my bedtime and, and other things like that that are small so that I can start to really rebuild that trust in myself, the reliance on myself. And, you know, because if I don't feel like I can rely on myself, like, of course, I don't feel like I can rely on other people. So, I mean, I think all of those are like, you know, important like avenues to pursue, but I just also wonder in the middle of all that about pursuing the line of inquiry of asking that part of yourself, it's story. Like, why do you, why do you believe that? Or why do you feel that sort of like a child? Tell me about that, you know? Yeah. Cause it is a, you know, these parts, they are, they're usually like young. Yeah. Right. And they have a story. Mm -hmm. Like, what is your story? You know, why do you, why do you believe that? Yeah. Before trying to talk it out of it. That's, that's a valid, that's a really valid point of inquiry. You know, it's like listening. Yep. Instead of just like, let's get rid of this as fast as we can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, the parts work too. Listening to that book, let me see, greater than the sum of our parts. Um, I mean, every time I re-engage with the parts work, there's almost instant transformation because it's just a shift of paradigm. And he talks about this in the beginning of this book where it is a different paradigm. It's shifting from the mono mind Mm-hmm. to you know I don't remember what he calls it but shifting out of that and into the awareness of like you have a lot of different we are multiple yes we are multiple I mean I can think of it like facets yes I like to think of it as facets um and it it brings alive this diet it, it helps me hear this dialogue inside of myself in this back and forth um And it brings so much more compassion to the experience. Um, And then he He, also, what? Well, I'm like so moved by the part about where he talks about that unlike so many of these systems that see problems and then try to like get rid of them, the sort of like getting rid of, that there's, there's this like much more compassionate approach to all, all of these, you know, troubled, difficult, you know, dynamics and, you know, sort of approaching them with a loving attitude that like, you know, you, you have a story, you have, there's a reason why you're, you know, why this is going on and like, how can we, you know, find healing? Yeah. And and sort of this idea that like, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much more to it, but anyway, that, that you're not trying to get rid of and cover over and stop it, that you're seeking, um, I don't know, not atonement, Resolution. like, you know, sort of re- a return to 
to harmony, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like bringing, you know, coming in out of the cold and like, you know, letting down your guard because it can now be safe, like making it safe again. And I don't know. It is. It's, I mean, it's, it's the action of having tea with your demons. I mean, that, that saying is so referenced and, and prolific, but it's Mm -hmm. like, well, how do you do that? You know, it's like, it's the thing of like knowing what I need to do, but then how do I do that? Yeah. How do I have tea with my demons? Like Mm -hmm. the IFS system is doing exactly that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a process of having tea with your demons and, and tending to them. And I love that image of bringing them in from the cold, giving them some soup and a blanket. So come sit by the fire. Yes. And tell yes. Me, unburden yourself and tell me your story. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I can get kind of weepy about it. <laughs> it's the moon is in Scorpio. We're weepy. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a morning of it. Let me tell you, um, you know, cause yeah, like part of the theory is that that like these parts, they get burdened. Yes. He describes it as becoming burdened. And it's, it's, you know, like we're in a traumatic or just, you know, like a difficult situation. That part believes that it has to take on mm-hmm. a, like an attitude or an energy that's kind of toxic. It can be extremely toxic as, I mean, you know, you can go all the way to the extreme. Oh yeah. Like murderous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's worked with these, these, this population too, by the way, killers in jail anyway, or it can just be like, you know, very repressive or, you know, like controlling, or it can be some sort of form of neurosis. That's like less than joyful, but not like so extreme as that. Yeah. But that once you figure out how to make it safe enough for that part to become unburdened, then it's like, it's, it can find its real purpose. It's like, it can return to it's like original state of like wholeness and, you know, doing something more creative, more joyful. I don't know. Using its energy and then getting a different way. job in the, in the family is how they sort of talk about it, but yeah. you know, different it's, and the, the idea that nothing is forever tainted. Right. Right. Like it's not, it's possible to rehabilitate any, anything. I don't know. Yep. And that these demons, they are, these are ourselves. Yeah. Frightened, frightened into taking up arms, you Mm -hmm. know, and Yeah, it's really powerful work. I'm currently like, all right, do I go back to school for IFS or do I go back to school for forestry and environmental preservation? <laughs> like my 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 dual interests have shifted from photography and psychology to these other two things. There's still psychology. Yeah. Maybe I should follow that thread. But um, but yeah, it's a really powerful powerful uh, system and process of working. And I do wish that when I had been seeing an IFS therapist, I had known what the crap IFS was and what we were doing. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm going to just lay that at the feet of the practitioner. You know, they should (laughs) have, there's ways and there's ways. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Oh, and the the other thing I was going to say, and and this is so helpful. Thank you. Because it, it's so serendipitous how all of these kind of realizations and, and shifts I've been feeling just in the past few days are very interconnected. Um, but the one other thing I was going to say about the book that I was listening to that, that struck a chord is that he talks about how asking for help is really hard and really humbling. Mm. Um, and that kind of also like opened a little, shined a little light on, okay, well, like I've put myself out there. I've been, you know, whether it was from a therapist or coach or a friend or whatever, like putting myself out there, putting yourself out there is, is hard. You have to be vulnerable, you know? And, and so it just made me feel like, okay, like I open myself up and I'm vulnerable and, you know, sometimes I'm like crying on these group coaching calls with all these people that like, I know, but I don't really know, you know, <laughs> and, and then not to get what I need is yeah. hard. And that's yeah. not on the other person. It's, you know, it's like, I'm expecting other people and myself to be perfect. Mm. And that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um. So again, it just, it just brought in more compassion for myself and my process and life in general, I guess. I mean, sometimes it's possible to have like a little, a quick fix, you know, sort of like a little reframe and a coach yourself up and get in a better mindset. I mean, in ordinary circumstances, that's possible. But when you're in an extraordinary circumstance, it's just not possible. Yeah. And I think that, I think that our culture could stand um, a little training up on how to tell the difference, Mm. you know, been listening to this awesome audiobook. Uh, it's a fantasy novel. It's by Lois McMaster Bujold. It's called Paladin of Souls. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the third book in a series. The first two had very difficult narrators. I had to give up on book one because I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Book two, I gripped my teeth and the story was good, but the narrator was difficult. The last one had a very good narrator and the story. Uh, I'm like, it was very emotional. <laughs> so I finished this morning listening to this and I just, Oh man. I don't know. Every now and then you find a, like a fiction novel that feels like it saves your life. Yeah. And this was this was kind of in that category. <sighs> so the one core idea that I think is sort of relevant to this conversation is this is um set in this world called the world of the five gods. 
anyway, there's these gods and they, they don't have direct influence on the world in general, but they're sort of like, uh, you know, running side by side with us all the time. So this, this um, character, she, she has a really rough time, right? For a long time. She's, mm. and then all this is sort of happening later in her life. And she realizes at some point that for the gods to be able to reach into the world and like directly affect things in the world, they have to reach through us and that they can't reach through us wow. until we open wide enough. <gasps> and the things that cause us to open wide enough include like, you know, risking your, like being willing to give up your life for another person. It's like just that, like Harry Potter. That can do it, is it? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But this is making me emotional. So I understand why you've been emotional. Um, like anything that like, um, yeah, like being willing to like give your life for something larger than yourself. Um, but I mean, there's other things too, like some of the people, like some of the characters in this, um, they're called saints, but they, what they realize about these saints is it's not that they're full or that they're so good. It's that they're like empty. They're like, they're, they're become a vessel. Wow. Um, so that's, that's one way that you can become big enough for the gods to reach through you to the world. This was in the Jack Cornfield book. Was it? Yes. Being the void, being empty. Yes. And, and I mean, that's the thing about the dark night, I believe. Yeah. It's like, it's like you can't really be, I mean, you probably can if you, if, if we had a different society that could train people to like open and be larger and open your heart wider and see the world in a bigger way, maybe you wouldn't need a dark night to open you and empty you out in that way. Mm -hmm. But here we are and it takes what it takes, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, you know, to die to your ego, to die to the false self, it's like, you have to like be (laughs) in that furnace uh, or whatever it is. Yeah. So that you can make space. Wow. And you just finished that today. I did. I did. <laughs> I'm kind of a mess. Wow. I've been very like emotional. <laughs> it was a really good book. I mean, the beginning is a little slow and stuff, but mm. it was a very exceptional story that yeah. there's a way there's more to it than just that, that one yeah. piece. Wow. That's really powerful. Yeah. And she's coming to it late in life. It's, mm. She finds purpose. She mm-hmm. finds love. She finds a man like in her fifties. So I thought it was kind of cool. That's cool. So, but Jack Cornfield says. Yeah. He, again, I was like drifting off to sleep or kind of trying, but he had a, a, a part in the book that was talking about um, emptying, emptying, yourself and being 
being in that void, that empty space, and how that is such like an important part of the spiritual path. Right. That so many people resist because it's scary yeah. to not know things. It's scary to be in that void. Um, and I think that people who haven't actually been in it, they romanticize it. Mm, that's true. <laughs> and it is because it is not nice. No. <laughs> it's the most horrible. You feel like it's you're dying. I mean, bad. you I want know. to die. Dying would be better. Yes. I then you wouldn't I feel that. Texted back and forth, you know, like <sighs> after the explosion of my life and all that, like, and I would be texting. We would just be like, I'm dying today. It's a dying day. Like, God, yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's gone through it too, huh? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I would be interested to, to know if like having just that little, little reframe that like, this is the death of my, the false self that I'm experiencing. Like if that would have helped me, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in that, I don't know if it would have, Yeah. Um, because I also was so, I was clinging to things. Mm-hmm. I refused to let go of. It took me five years yeah. of intense, like to let go of the thing, you know, of certain beliefs, actually. Oh, I know. <laughs> and they were beautiful beliefs. <laughs> they were not selfish, mm. but they were false. And until I could just like, let it go, like everything happens for a reason. That's actually bullshit. It's bullshit. It's, it's really bullshit. Sometimes things go, you know, there is sort of some intent behind things that happen, Mm -hmm. but you cannot claim your, your full power, your, your responsibility, your, the, the gifts that you have, the, the joy that is yours, the, the life, your full life. You cannot claim those. If you believe that there's a puppet master pulling the strings and that just everything is fate playing out. No. Um, God never gives you anything more than you can handle. It's like, you just start looking at, Oh my God, did you see those pictures that came out of Syria? No. Oh, it was on 60 minutes, like a couple of weeks ago. Oh my God. It is the most horrifying it is so horrifying. I mean, and I'm sorry, you just can't, I, you cannot tell me that those people could handle that. And that's why it happened to them. I'm yeah. sorry. No, no. I mean, is that, where did these things come from? Is that spiritual bypassing? Is it like the church trying to pacify folks? I don't know. I mean, I honestly, like when I started to realize the hypocrisy and the absurdity of like, you know, God, God never gives you more than you can handle. You know, I realized that that's like, it's like a way that we comfort ourselves when we're in a difficult experience, right? but it is only a comfort that is, that is, it's a comfort. It's a very first world comfort. (laughs) Yes. You know, our country is not war torn. Our children are not being murdered before our eyes. 
We are pretty comfortable here in the United States. And so we can say these kind of platitudes. And mostly if we haven't had a personal tragedy, that's like just so appalling, you know, we can find, we can, you know, not see any conflict or contradiction. Yeah. It's a, it's a, these are platitudes of privilege. Mm, Yes. Yes. If they've, if it's gotten a person through, I don't want to say that it's like wholly wrong. It's just that. Well, it can get you through, but it's not necessarily accurate. It's not the whole truth. And if you, if you're like sitting there comforting someone whose kid has just been killed brutally. Yeah. With that bullshit. It's like, you know, no, (laughs) you need to stop. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know bad things happen to good people in this world. The universe is kind of cold. It doesn't really care. Mm. You know, cause and effect. The meteors come smashing down and, you know, things happen. It's not all divinely guided to comfort, you know, my personal human idea of, you know, what right and wrong should be. God doesn't intervene. God does not intervene. So that means we need to where we can, obviously we can't control everything, but like the suffering and brutality in the world is our responsibility. Yeah. It is our responsibility. The stuff that we can't, you know, the, the human things, human travesty, like that is our responsibility. Yeah. You can't just, you know, leave it in God's hands. Like, no. So those were the things that I had to, those were holding up my dark night, accepting those things. So it was very hard. (laughs) It was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like who wants to face those things? That reminds me of something else in the Kaipacha podcast uh, that he was saying that humans, as humans, we have free will and we are the responsible ones. And I think, you know, that kind of snapped me out of my well, not snapped, but it, it was a contributor to my shift of like, okay, I, I am responsible. Mm-hmm. I have free will. Mm-hmm. How am I engaging with those things? You know, am I accepting my responsibility for my experience, for my actions? I mean, taking up agency is, is kind of like taking up, um, you know, a long hike or Hmm. a a long journey on foot. You know, I don't think it's fair to expect someone to like, if they haven't understood their own agency, their own power, their choice, you know, for like a lifetime, I think it's unfair to expect them to just automatically do it. Cause I do think it's a muscle that you develop, you know, it's, and there's skills that you learn and stuff. So there's a process of sort of like reacquainting yourself with Mm -hmm. your capacity 
Um, so I think, yes, we are responsible and, you know, be nice to yourself Yeah, <laughs> as you learn to exercise your responsibility, you know, the, like it's, it's not easy. No, it, there's a whole training up. <laughs> yeah. But yes, as a, as a society, you know, we absolutely, I mean, you know, because, okay. And so that's the other thing is like, you know, yes, we are responsible and we don't have ultimate control. So it's this interesting, like paradox. It's like, I'm responsible. And we, as a, as, as humanity and as a culture, we're responsible for the kind of society we create, Yeah, but there are things we don't control. And so you have to also surrender those up. Yeah. You know, do what you can and surrender the rest. Hmm. Ah, okay. I could just go take a nap right now. <laughs> My computer just popped up low battery. <laughs> You're kidding. That's perfect timing. Oh my God. All right. That's a sign. 